Hello and welcome to this episode of Game on Girl, where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. Today's episode is titled, Breaking Up the Binaries, Taking Casual and Hardcore Definitions to Task. Our guest gamers are Toria and Melissa, and we're going to discuss the definitions of casual versus hardcore gamer and how they tie into our gamer types. Plenty of people have identified with our short episode number seven for all the tunes we've loved before. Coming up, we'll pass on a story shared with us about a recent identity loss in an MMORPG. We'll also share your responses to this week's Twitter question, what most negatively impacts your game experience? So stay tuned, and we're glad you're listening to Game on Go. In short number seven, we discuss the loss of Rhonda's Mass Effect 3 character. We realized very quickly that this was more than a short episode, and we're going. We're already getting similar stories to what happened to you, Rhonda. So, uh, what what have we heard? What do we have in terms of feedback on this? Well, so far the subject has really just been teased, but we're we're. It's like an iceberg. There's there's bound to be a whole lot more under the surface. Absolutely. Um, in the past, we've discussed the importance and the value to gamers of their avatar's appearance, the race, the skills, their names. And Eric Oberlin on Facebook sent us a story that recently happened to him in his Star Wars The Old Republic Guild. This is what he writes. BioWare and LucasArts have done free server transfers in an attempt to merge low-population servers onto high-population servers. The frustrating problem is that all of us who called in late late for work when Star Wars was released so we could log in as soon as the servers went live to reserve our character names potentially lost some of that prestige. Our server was a low-population server, and the guild decided to move to the new server. This ran the risk of losing our character names because someone already claimed the name on the other server. I was very lucky to have retained all the first names of my characters that transferred, but I lost my legacy name. I participate in an ops guild, a raiding guild, and many of my guild were not as lucky as myself. And I def- it definitely threw off the op when the ops leader would call people by the new names, but occasionally also call them by their old names. <laughs> <laughs> A little uh, complexity and identity going on in their, uh, in their ops there. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it probably has to do with character types as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ga- I mean, the gamer, gamer types, types yeah. but... My my avatar's name is very important, mm-hmm. and if my character got transferred to another server, you know, my femme chef Smokey, and they said, well, you know, that's okay, but you have to change her name. Right. I'm just like, okay, that's <laughs> not Smokey anymore. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm just, you, you'd have to do that stupid respelling and making E's, threes, and all that crap, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I've I uh, wanted uh, one of my characters in. Actually, I guess I did two characters. Um, if you've ever read Christopher Moore's um, novels, he's a, he's a sort of a humor humorist uh, novelist, and he has a series of vampire books, blood sucking fiends, and it's a series of three books. And in the second book, there's a character called Abby Normal. 
which is, of course, a callback to uh, yeah. <laughs> Young Frankenstein. And awesome. so I wanted one of my characters in uh, DDO to be Abby Normal, because you could have two names, a first and a last name in that game, which isn't always the case. And so um, I think my, my Abby was a... A H B E E because I couldn't actually get it to be any other form of Abby. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I know, but you know, I still wanted to have that that identity, and it's it's interesting the import and um, value that people put on on names, and especially in what in what Eric has to say here, because as as. He, you know, we, we talked about before when when that's your identity in your guild, that's what you're called when you're when you're on vent and when you're actually talking to people. Exactly. So it takes that that name isn't just what you're seeing above your character as you're running around, but also who you are and who people call you and how you relate to people. So it, it adds that further personalized depth to it that, that you wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. And, and just like we talked about before, I mean, some people spend a huge amount of time researching names. Mm-hmm. And the, the, it's usually the mastery players who just they, they take a default or right. they use the same name over and over again. Right. But I mean, just like with with culture right. and colors and, um, you know, clothing choices. I mean, you can tell the difference between uh, characters Based on the culture they're in, you know, if, if right. you've got an Indian sounding name or if you have a, a Greek sounding name or Italian name, I'm reading a science fiction story now where the, the names are all based off of sort of an Italian dialect. Right. Um, it, you automatically imagine a persona right. or a look that goes with that culture. Right. Yeah. And, and the character that you create or that you think about or the way you think about the character that you're playing, mm-hmm. if you're thinking, you know, in terms of role play and i imagine at least to the role playing characters that names are particularly important oh yeah and I, and and i think they also would tend to be a little bit more creative in how they come about come up with their names and and how they create their names yeah yeah. Definitely. So do you have well, any updates for us about um, about going oh. back? Have you gone back to try to play? I'm curious now. <laughs> yeah. Well, for those of you who did listen to, to the episode short seven, what happened is we've been having some PlayStation glitches. And I had a character, a fem chef out of Mass Effect 2, I imported into Mass Effect 3, which I was about half done with when my PlayStation crashed. And we had to reformat the hard drive. Um, when we talked, Regina suggested you know, why don't you play a male ship? Because I just couldn't imagine going back into the game playing a female again. I mean, to me, that experience was over. Mm-hmm. And it really rang really, really good with me. And so I did. I went in and created a male ship. And first scene, I was like, oh, my God, he's horrible. I, <laughs> I can't stand him. And I had to wait until all of that very first mission, the very first videos were over. So I could go back out and create another one because I, I was not going to be able to play with this guy. And so I created another one and was able to correct some of the mistakes I felt like I had made to the identity. Just loved him. The next day, the PlayStation crashed oh, again. Oh, God. Yeah. So, but the good thing about it is again. when I created this mail ship, it was with the intention of driving through the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, obviously, the look mattered enough as far right. as 
self-playing or role-playing goes. But the point this time is to just get through the game. Right. So I didn't feel as much loss. I was more actually excited that my husband figured out it was the hard drive and was able to replace it, and we're up and running again. Oh, so, good, good. So, yeah. so finally, the the whole issue is going to be resolved, and hopefully, yeah. this won't be something that crops back up again for you. Yeah, but that's not to say I'm not twitchy, though. <laughs> <laughs> do you, I'm pretty twitchy. Do you find yourself saving more often? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After I lost some of the work I was doing on my dissertation early in the early stages, um, I, I developed a, a control S habit. Yeah. So, so like after every line or every two lines or so, I would just I would just automatically be be doing control safe, control safe, control safe. <laughs> yeah, I've had those experiences in design mm-hmm. work and writing and stuff like that too. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. a nightmare. Yeah, it is. It is. It does. So it makes you cold. It does. It makes you a little. It gives you a little sort of post traumatic <laughs> post traumatic digital loss. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. The therapists are going crazy now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, something new. Yeah. I can't wait to write a paper. Exactly. Well, we really, really enjoy your feedback on um, anything we've got to say on the podcast, whether they be the shorts or our regular episodes. You can always give your feedback to us on GameOnGirl.com, through Twitter at Game underscore on underscore girl, or you can email Regina at GameOnGirl.com. Or look for us on Facebook at the Game on Girl Podcast. Coming up, we talk to Toria and Melissa, our, represent- our representatives of casual and hardcore gamers. You're listening to Game on Girl. I'm Regina, here with my co-host, Rhonda. Later on in the show, we're going to share your response to this week's Twitter question. But for now, let me introduce our guests for today's show. Welcome to Game On Girl. Today we're talking to Toria and Melissa. Toria is at missing underscore chapter on Twitter, and Melissa is at some rocketeer. And both are gamers that have been following the podcast and following my research for some time now. So welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. We're glad to have you. So to get started, why don't um, why don't each of you give us a little bit of your sort of gaming history and background, and a little bit about yourselves? And uh, Toria, why don't you start us off with that? Of course, I get to go first. Yay! <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't really have too much of a history to tell you. Really, um, gaming is a recent thing to me. I haven't really been. Uh, in on that whole scene for very long. I grew up without any gaming consoles or handhelds. I think the first one I ever had was a Super Nintendo that I bought off eBay when I was 18. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's all still relatively new to me. And uh, I haven't really branched out too far yet, just into a handful of series like uh, into Assassin's Creed and stuff like that. And uh, a couple of PC games, and that's really about it. So I'm trying to branch out a little bit and do some learning and it's slow going, but... <laughs> Try out some new things. Working on it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, I know one new game that you tried out recently. Right? <laughs> Which one are you referring to? But the one that we played together. <laughs> Diablo oh, 3. yeah, that's right, too. Well, I, was, I, was, I played a couple new games this weekend, too, so I was going, wait, which one? <laughs> <laughs> wait, which one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Diablo 3 was pretty fun, yeah. 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 That was different. Yeah, different. And so what are, um, what are you said, Assassin's Creed... And what are what were the other new games that you tried out this weekend? 
Um, I was at my boyfriend's place this weekend and he was showing me around some Metal Gear Solid and Dante's Inferno and there was another one that I'm kind of blanking on at the moment. But okay. um, And he's also given me a whole bunch of games that he isn't playing anymore. So I've got like, Left 4 Dead that I've got sitting up here on my desk. Uh, <gasps> mass- I love Left 4 Dead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those are some I, pretty cool games, Toria. I know. Yeah, there's a whole stack of them that I haven't even touched yet. Like uh, the Bioshock ones... I can't even read them from here, but yeah, I have yeah. a whole bunch that I really need to catch up on. So, yeah. <laughs> so he's helping with your your gaming edification. He's trying to. He's yeah. trying, yes. Right yep. on. So when you say um, it's a recent thing for you, Toria, wh- what kind of timeline are you talking about? Um, Let me see. Well, I'm 23, so I've had my Super Nintendo for about five years now. Um, but I've only recently, like, I've only had my Xbox for not even a year. Oh, okay. Also that I have. So, yeah. Cool. Very what about you, Melissa? Oh, <laughs> well, I'm going to be 26 this year. So my parents bought a Nintendo, an NES system, when I was one and a half, two years old. So uh, consoles have always been a part of my life, just gaming in general. Um, my parents didn't really go anywhere past like the NES days, but my brother and I sure latched on to gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I've probably been playing very seriously since two or three years old, um, just watching my parents play and then, you know, eventually having the courage to pick up the controller myself and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, take part in it. Mm-hmm. But I- I've owned every console since the Nintendo, Genesis, Super Nintendo. Uh, I had the Dreamcast, N64, original PlayStation, PlayStation 2, GameCube. I mean, I've had everything. I've played, you know, probably anywhere between... 10 and 30 hours a week for two decades now. So, and it's not constrained to just one genre or anything. I mean, there's some that I, I don't particularly care for. I'm not a big sports fan because it's like, oh, hey, I, I played football once. It's the same game every single time you play it. <laughs> Why would you keep buying it? I don't understand. <laughs> but, yeah. So, um, past six months, though, um, I've kind of fallen behind on being caught up with all of the games that are out and that I have to play. But I'm slowly working on that while I go back to school. So Cool. What are you And how much how much time are you spending at school? How many hours have you got? Um it's nine to two plus two hours of travel every day. Oh wow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> not not counting the you know, the studying and stuff. That's just for the summer. In the fall I'll probably have much less time to actually play, but you know, if you're smart and you manage your time well, you can make time for anything. <laughs> That's true. I have a dissertation that proves that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I didn't get lost in a gaming addiction while I was writing my dissertation. So I have, if I, that can be done, then yes. <laughs> Fair enough. You can squeeze gaming into any kind of schedule. Good. Well, what, um, Melissa, what would you say if you were to pick a, a genre that's your favorite? What would you say is your favorite genre? Oh, boy, it's tough. Um, <laughs> probably just action-adventure Okay. In, in a platforming setting, I okay. guess, would be the closest to, to the games that I've had the most you know, enjoyable time with and probably the games I've gone back to to play the most. Right. That's a pretty broad spectrum, and lots of subgenres kind of fit in that, but I, I think that's the... That's sort of the broad-sweeping category yeah. you would, you would yeah. prefer. Cool. Good. Toria, are you finding any particular games that appeal to you more than others? 
Yeah, definitely. I found that I really prefer puzzle games more than anything. Like, uh, the first game I ever finished was Portal 2. And that was one of the very first games that I bought for my 360. And I loved it to pieces. Like, I played through that thing like nobody's business. Um, And I'm finding that I'm not really into anything that really involves a lot of first-person shooting kind of thing. Um, Like, I dabbled with... uh, I think Bioshock 2 for a little bit, and I really couldn't stand the play style, but I think it's just because I wasn't used to it yet. But yeah, anything that involves a lot more logic than just running around shooting things is generally more my style. Oh, okay. Well, let's start. Um, I don't know who wants to take on this first question for us, but as as I think you both know, the big question for the research was, how do you define a gamer? So who wants to go first on that one? I think Toria still should go first. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll switch it up in a minute, but yeah. right now I want to know what Toria says. Okay. Um, I, I was sitting down like when I got home today trying to figure out how to define it, and I still haven't really got a really clear-cut answer on it. But um, I know that you guys have talked about uh, including people who play like card games and board games and stuff, but when I think of gamer, that never comes to mind. It's always either PC or just video gaming kind of thing. And in my head, if you're a gamer, you're somebody who plays games regularly and you're a fan of like certain consoles or certain series of games and you, you play them to have fun, but you're also fairly serious about finishing them and doing well instead of just running around like half-assed and not really knowing what you're doing. So it's, it's something that you, that you do t- for entertainment, but you also have a very sort of serious investment in it as well. Melissa? All right, Melissa. <laughs> well... At least grammatically speaking, you look at the word gamer, it's an agent noun. So by its definition, it's participatory. At least work is through the video games, but they're not generally like a spectator-driven experience outside of a select events, you know, within the culture. But I feel pretty comfortable labeling anyone who spends any amount of leisure time playing or consuming media related to video games. And for that matter, any other kind of game, it could be tabletop or RP games, whatever. I mean, I think you could describe them as being a gamer. I mean, someone's considered a reader if they read books and magazines, no matter how much or how little they may actually read. And regardless of the content, we typically tack on like a qualifying adjective to further define like what kind of reader someone may be, like comic book reader or you're an avid reader, analytical, classical, or anything like that. Right. Novel reader. Yeah. 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 It's a good observation. That is a great observation. That's 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 a really nice sort of addition, as I constantly say, <laughs> to the expanding of this question. Thinking about um, the way we're very comfortable with some terms being very broad in their definition, and then other terms we want to sort of limit and, and tie down. And um, I think that that's a great sort of connection to make between reading as a pastime and gaming as a pastime, or an interest or hobby, however you want to phrase it. Yeah, I'm interested, again, Toria, why did you say you really don't think of tabletop gamers as fitting into this category? Because Melissa included them. Okay, when you say tabletop game, do you mean just general board games like Monopoly and that kind of thing? Or do you mean like specific things like D&D? How do you classify Uh, tabletop games? um, Well, you tell me. (laughs) When 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 you're thinking, when you said, I wouldn't include tabletop games, then which ones are you would not include? Okay, in my brain, I've got 
I've got stuff like Battleship and Monopoly and Clue all kind of shuffled off into board games, whereas you've got D&D and other related games I'm not really familiar with as tabletop yeah. games. Because okay. that's how I've heard different people classify them. Right. So that's just how I've kind of adopted those two terms for myself. Okay. Um, and just whenever I've heard the term gamer, it's almost like until I listened to this podcast, I'd never heard it used to include anybody who played board games, card games, tabletop games, anything else except for video games. So that's that's just how it's stuck in my head because that's the only time I've ever heard it used that way. Okay, good. That that helps. Yeah, and, and uh, Melissa, what were you thinking of when when you think of tabletop games? Uh, any kind of card game like Magic the Gathering or like Settlers of Catan, any, anything where there's, you know, uh, you could even include Monopoly because there's a set of skills involved and there's rules that you have to follow and you can bend or obey or react to those rules how you see wish to win the game there's a goal to it so i would i would say that those can be considered gaming so cool. so having having a um an end point or an end game or, or a place you're trying to get to is sort of a component of gaming in general not always mm-hmm. but i would i would say for i mean all all games have a goal whether mm-hmm. or not it's your you want to reach that or work towards it, it's up to you right right so one of one of the reasons why I sort of asked to the two of you to come on <laughs> other than uh knowing and being familiar with uh with your gaming experience from from our conversations on Twitter was because um and I'm going to out you Toria so <laughs> go for it I I very distinctly remember after you listened to the very first podcast, the very first episode, where we talked about this question, how do you define a gamer, you went in and changed your Twitter profile, right? I did. Yes. To include casual gamer. And so I, I want to I want to sort of probe you here a little bit about um, why you decided to make that change at that time and, and what it was about maybe the podcast or, or the definitions of gamer that you heard there that, that sort of prompted you to make that change. Okay, well, initially, um, when I'd written on my Twitter bio, at, at that particular time, I just had it listed as, uh, I had a whole bunch of hobbies in there, and I had Gamer, just plain and simple, as one of them. And I listened to the first episode, and I can't remember who it was who said it, I really should have written this down, <laughs> but <laughs> some, someone, someone had mentioned that uh, when they hear someone say that they're, that they call themselves a gamer when they only really play, like, once a week or something like that, that they're just like, well, no, you're not a gamer then because you don't take it seriously. It's just mm-hmm. a casual thing for you. Right. And I was going, that totally makes sense to me because I have a sort of, I have a similar thing where if I hear people say they're a Harry Potter fan, but they've only seen the movies, <laughs> I get pissed off at them. I'm like, no, you're not. You're not a fan because you haven't, you haven't really taken everything in from that particular canon. You don't know everything about right. it. Whereas right. that's, that. That took up a whole bunch of my time right. with me because I read all the books over and over. I knew right. a billion details that are never in the movies. So whenever I ran into someone who said that they were a fan but they'd never touched the books, I was like, no. You do not get to call yourself that. So, so, part, so, <laughs> so part of that is is a depth of knowledge, right? It it, re- it really is. And that's that's usually how um, how I classify as someone as somebody who enjoys something versus mm-hmm. being a fan of it. Because that, that's two different things in my in my mind. Mm-hmm. So when I heard whoever it was <laughs> say, that, say that kind of response, I was like, oh, well, crap. <laughs> I, falsely, <laughs> I falsely identified myself. I should probably go and fix that. So because I... 
I didn't want to be stepping on anybody's toes and saying, yeah, I'm totally a gamer. I'm into all this stuff. When really, I like, I hadn't heard of E3 until like last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas if I'm a serious gamer, I probably should have before. Right. So it's this whole thing of not wanting to be misleading in in how I participate or how I'm a part of this whole sort of, I can't even say it, cultural experience or whatever you want to call it, sure. of playing games frequently and knowing a lot about it, knowing a lot about the different consoles and companies that make them. Right. And like, I'm, I'm still so clueless to all of that. So calling myself a gamer just felt like I was just kind of jumping in going, yeah, I know it all. I'm done. Right. Or it had a, it maybe had a, a bit of inauthenticity for you. Exactly. In yeah. terms of, of defining yourself that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, how, how do you think you contrast to that, Melissa? Or do you think you contrast to that? <laughs> well, no, I, I definitely do. Um, I, I would consider myself a, a hardcore gamer, and I have been for several decades. Uh, I I really go to and have in the past, even as a small child holding on to my Game Pro subscriptions every month, like, oh my god, news. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I've like I said, I spend between 10 and 30 hours a week playing various kinds of video games and um i'm fluent in the language of video games um i'm really educated in the history of them i mean from games to consoles to companies to creators to composers to programmers you know i know where it started who the big names are how they came about what impact they had or didn't have and i experienced a, a big part of that history firsthand and you know i go out of my way to consume video game related media almost as much as I actually play games, you know, via, you know, Twitter, Twitter yeah. reading gaming news sites, keeping up the goings on in the industry from, you know, the creative aspect to the technological to the economic, you know, and I discuss them a lot and I respond to things that happen within the industry and the culture, you know, publicly, you know, online. Mm, right. I have a voice and opinion and, you know, I make sure that it gets heard because it's something that's really important to me. Right. And, you know, I consider video games and the act of participating in games and the culture, it's like a big part of my identity of mm-hmm. like who I see myself as a person in society. I'm, this is a big, big chunk of it, you know, mm-hmm. is this thing and all the time and the experiences and the memories I have associated with it. And is all of this the way that you're describing yourself? Are those the qualifications you would put on someone else who claims to be a hardcore gamer? Yeah, and, and not even just the gamer. Like, if we just, for argument's sake, just take the word gamer out, and we ask, like, what's the difference between casual and hardcore model train enthusiasts? I mean, <laughs> the exact same things would be applied to them, you know? Yeah, Like right. So it, it's not, you know, just gaming that's, like, hardcore. It, it goes with any hobby or interest that somebody may have. And, you know, it's, you kind of break it down it's not just casual and hardcore. It's, it's a nice gray color wheel and there's a whole bunch of shades on it and you're going to fall along on it somewhere. Yeah. But, you know, more a spectrum of, of interest or engagement. Yeah. And a lot of times it's dependent upon, you know, the life circumstances, right? Do you have a job, do you have a family, do you go to you know, work and how much time do you have to dedicate it? Do you want to spend more time doing it? And you can't, or do you just not care or, you know, Right. Yeah, like just kind of going along with that. There's a big difference between saying you're a geologist and just finding a cool rock on the street the one day. Like there's a whole, like, there's a big difference between saying that you are something and just 
picking it up once and going, oh, that's kind of cool, then putting it back down again and walking away. Right, right. It's completely different things. They're called Madden Casuals. (laughs) They're called what? I didn't hear. They're called what? Casuals? Madden Casuals. Madden Casuals. I play games, yo. No, you don't. You play Madden. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah. And see, I'm laughing at that, but I really don't get it. (laughs) See what I mean? Well, that's that's a good example of um, if part of what is sort of coming out of this in terms of how you guys are using casual versus hardcore, if it is that depth of knowledge, um, not knowing, you know, that's essentially a reference to, you know, what Melissa said earlier about sports games being the same thing over and over again. Oh, right. Okay. So Madden, I gotcha. Madden yep. is a, is, yeah, is an NFL <laughs> game that you play and you know, what, whatever. I don't know. I don't play those games either, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I finally got it. It took me a bit, yeah. but I understand now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, I mean, and that's not to say the sports games are terrible. I mean, no, 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 no. I, I agree. Tons of people love them mm-hmm. and they, they get great enjoyment out of them. It's just sure. not anything that, you know, I, I feel like participating in, you're in and you're out. Right, right, right. So does the genre of game matter, Melissa, um, in, in the category of hardcore? I don't, I don't know about genre. I don't know if we've reached the point in, I'm going to go out on a limb and say mobile gaming, where we can break it down to genre. But I would say there's specific games. Mobile gaming, I don't think, counts as hardcore gaming. Okay, that's filler that. time. Yeah. That's filler. That, that, that's I'm bored in, in the line at the grocery store and I don't want to pay attention to anything so I'm just going to look at my phone and play a quick game or I'm, I'm on the bus or the, the train or whatever it is it's just you're, you're filling time in between doing more important things hmm. the same argument could be said for like more conventional gaming but in, in the long run it requires a, a much bigger investment of time and, and energy and sometimes you know emotion and in order to participate in that then mobile gaming can give us at this point in time, I'm uh, I'm curious about um, the the emotional connection that you just brought up because I don't, I don't think anybody's really talked about that greatly in depth except maybe our our role players that we talk to about the emotion involved and in how in in your commitment to the, to the game or to a genre or to the characters actually a perfect example of that would be I, I don't yeah. actually know the details but what happened with um, ME three and uh, yeah. the reaction that people had to the ending of the story. Um, which I don't want to give any spoilers because I haven't played the game yet. So and I know, and I know Rhonda hasn't finished it either. So yeah. <laughs> I'm in the middle of it. Yeah, I'm in the middle of it. I don't want to get well, any outs. I just know people are upset, and there was a very strong fan emotional reaction to the way the game ended. There was. I actually noted it down as as one of the the better examples of the differences between casual and hardcore gamers. Hardcore gamers were the people who were on the message boards on Twitter on the comment sections, calling Bioware out mm-hmm. for broken promises, essentially is what it came down to. They had invested 90-plus hours, at that point $120 plus DLC, for an ending that they were promised since before the first game came out, and then it wasn't delivered. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the people who, who really care about your product, they're all the hardcore gamers. They're the ones who spend lots of time on lots of money and you know who before you stab them in the back will defend you right and you know wherever that may be and it's it's really it's new territory for video games especially when it comes down to our video games art and what does that mean when it comes to 
fans demanding a change and all kinds of stuff. Right, yeah, and how that sort of impacts everything else. Yeah. When you say new territory, you think that's because of franchising? Well, I said that as franchising. It's that never before has... I mean, you'll have, like, movie releases or TV shows, and every once in a while, some some point in time later on down the road, they'll release, like, a director's cut. And that's, you know, a, a different version of the same thing. Now, does that mean that the original version is not art? Right. right. Yeah. Or is it art? So what if the fans came and told the director or the producers or whomever that we're unhappy with this product? Okay, now change it to suit us. Right. You know, mm, okay. If the creator changes it, does that lessen the art? Or if the consumer, who I might add, cannot return a video game, right? <laughs> I mean, if, if they demand it, does that cheapen it? Mm, I mean, interesting. People yeah, people make argument. Oh, just don't buy from him. You know, in the future, I'm like, well, that doesn't get me my sixty bucks back right now. Right. That you've already <laughs> and, and the time our- that you already invested in the game that that oh. had the dissatisfying conclusion involved in it. Ten hours down the road, I'm just like, this is. Absolute right. crap. Right. I want my money back, but I can't get it because I already opened it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to uh, step in and just remind our audience that we're talking to uh, Toria and Melissa, uh, two gamers that we are, that have the opportunity to talk to today on Game on Girl. And what I think what we want to go with next is do you think that the terminology casual and hardcore are important? Uh, I think it would depend on the context, because um, if you're talking about how much someone knows about a game or just the gaming industry in general, then yeah, I would definitely say it's important, because like when uh, when Regina said ME3, it took me a second to figure out what she was talking about, whereas everybody else was just like, oh, right on, I, I know what you're talking about, whereas I was just like, uh, d- what? <laughs> Hold on, I'm I don't know what's going on anymore, but I, I, so, so, so when, you, when you think about it that way, it's kind of important, <laughs> but... Uh, but in in a different way, it it isn't so much. But I think it really depends on the context. If we're just talking about how people spend their time and what kind of stuff they enjoy doing, like I have a lot of fun playing video games. It's just I don't spend nearly as much time as say Melissa does, but I still get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Right. So it it really depends on you know so, qualifiers there. So if if someone is using casual and hardcore to say that people who are casual gamers don't enjoy them as much, you would think that that would be. Yeah, that's that. wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would say that that's that. There's definitely a chance that that's not true because right. I I do get a ton of fun out of video games. Like I love Portal Two. Like I said, I mm-hmm. couldn't put the game down to save my life. Yeah. So to say that we don't have as much fun as say hardcore people would, that's not necessarily true. I wouldn't okay. say that at all. all right. Do you have a problem with the term casual gamer, Toria? Um, not really, because it's because that, that's how I'm identifying myself right now when I say well. I'm I'm not really a gamer. I'm or not a hardcore gamer. I'm a casual gamer. That's more to kind of let people know that I only partially know what's going on in the industry. I only partially know like a handful of games. I only like I don't I don't have that awareness that everybody else does if they call themselves gamers. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it, I, don't, I don't I don't have a problem with it personally because I think it's kind of a handy term to have. It's sort of like a stepping stone on the way to being like a a fully fledged gamer. <laughs> so for me, it's handy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like, but I, I know that other people do have 
do have a problem with the term because they think it's kind of the opposite. Well, it's like, oh, well, they're just pretending they're gamers because they're saying, well, we don't have the time to do it or we don't have the money to do it. Well, right. Well, so yeah. for me, for me, it's nice. Other people, maybe not so much. I don't know. I think it's um, for, for me and the, the issue I've always had with it are some of the connotations that go along with um, the dis- the dismissive nature of someone saying, oh, well, you're a casual, you know, that, you know, oh, well, you know, you don't really, you're not really into this if you're casual. I, th- those are the problems that I have with it. I, you know, yeah. with it as a term and with, with and I, I never liked dichotomies. I don't like, you know, two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why the gamer types are not two and more like eight or nine. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Well, speaking of gamer types, I'm glad you brought that up, Regina. I'd like to talk to Melissa a little bit about the types of games she plays, but especially if any of them involve uh, creating avatars. Uh, I've played quite a few games that involve the creation of avatars. I mean, I've dumped probably a solid year of my life in World of Warcraft. (laughs) Added everything up. It's probably... 500 years, um, 500 years, 500 days of actual <laughs> slash play time. Feels like 500 years sometimes as far. But <laughs> sometimes, like one instance, can feel like 500 years in World of Warcraft. So. Yes, it can. Um, but the creation of avatars, uh, it really depends on the game, and sometimes it depends on how the game is marketed to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take the Mass Effect as an example of. The original Mass Effect was marketed with the male default Shepard as Mm -hmm. the face of the game. So even before I played the game, I associated that experience and that story with that person, Mm -hmm. with that character that was created. So I never really felt comfortable going in and changing it because it just didn't feel right to me. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't kind of do that often, I don't think, or understand that but that was how it was marketed to me and that's how i i originally got attached to it well yeah you know, so so you played it yeah you had already identified with that image and so yeah. you could just so, go in and continue to identify with it exactly and then if i'll play a game like skyrim or fallout or anything where how your avatar looks doesn't really matter so mm-hmm. i just kind of zip through default or you know i get something that's like half okay looking <laughs> you know, male or female. <laughs> I usually play a couple of different games. I'll play one as a male character, one as a female. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It, even in World of Warcraft, I just, you know, I, I had a, a fair mix of male and female tunes. It just depended on, you know, whatever I felt like making when I made the character. So the avatar development or the availability of being able to create an avatar in a game, that's not a major selling point for a game? I usually prefer it when they don't. Really? Okay. Yeah, I prefer if I'm going to play a game. It's like reading a book to me. I prefer to step into to an a already character, established character to an one that's already established, mm-hmm. and then I can just enjoy it objectively, like a spectator, you know. And you know, but when they tend like games with Fallout and stuff, when it's like make your own character, you create everything out, you know, out of scratch. I tend to just not. I just don't care. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I don't have any emotional connection to it because there's nothing there that was pre-existing. You know, I just I tend to be a, a, a worse human being in those kind of games. <laughs> <And> I do. <laughs> Mass Effect is like, no, I have to be a good person. I have to be a good person. Well, when I go play Skyrim, it's like, oh, your mom died. Sorry, I'm gonna kill your dad too. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, well, this is really interesting. So, so when there's an established character, it, like like you think of Shepard as being a hero, so you feel like you need to live up to that heroic potential. Yeah, well, usually with, with those games like that, if, if uh, I guess it would be mirroring. I, I feel like I have to make decisions that I would in in, in that same situation. Right. So you like put it, yourself in, in that aspect, game. I make all this all the decisions that I would if it were actually happening to me. Right. But in games where it's create your own character, I just whatever. I don't care. So then, what are the selling points of a game for you? A nice complex list of. <laughs> <laughs> Um, generally, uh, story is important to me for certain types of games. And it, it really just and also depends on who's making the game and whether or not I believe that telling a story is something that they're, they're good at doing and they have a history of, of telling really, you know, good, solid stories. Like, Valve is excellent storytellers through their video games and... Um, Games like Bioshock tell amazing stories, and they all do it through the first-person perspective. Um, then you look around, and you have Uncharted series, and they do it all third-person, you know, um, action-adventure. And those are some of the most, you know, well-told cinematic stories available. Like, those are better than most action movies that have been out in the past, like, five years. So, uh, story is really important. Obviously, in this day and age, it's hard to look for a game of polish because it's always released, and then we'll fix it a week later with a patch. <laughs> or we'll nerf it with a patch. <laughs> or that too. Unique gameplay is important, but sometimes it's nice to play something familiar. Sometimes I just want to run through something and blow everybody up. I don't, you know. Mm-hmm. So Regina, it, it, how did you qualify Melissa before we started talking to her in the gaming types? Before we started talking to her, I... Well, I and, and from other conversations we had, I, I felt that Melissa was probably leaning toward mastery. Okay. But I'm actually hearing a great deal of self in what she's saying. So. <laughs> yeah, and see, I, I'm actually picking up on all the mastery. Mm-hmm. Especially when the second thing that she mentioned that is important to her is that the game isn't buggy. Right, right, yeah. And I, th- I find true. that very interesting because that, you know, goes to achievement being able to correctly execute and having priorities and right, stuff like and that. Right, and smooth gameplay. Yes. Yeah. What do you think, Melissa? It's, it's totally mastery. <laughs> um, achievements are very important to me. And I prefer single-player achievements. I don't really like having to rely on other people for me to get an achievement. I just, you know what, leave me alone. I'm going to do it myself. Right. <laughs> I don't. I don't need you here griefing me while I try to work on something. But I have almost forty-five thousand achievement points. My Xbox, Xbox and yeah. the, that—that's without having really tried to get any for about a year and a half now. Right. That's just what so, evolved out of your gameplay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times I'll go out of my way to play a game one or two times more to get all the achievements, or mm-hmm. some that I missed the first round through. Yeah. Or, Sure. Achievement guides are important because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, how can I make this a really efficient playthrough and get as many as I can? Right. Or so, Toria, do... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, to say sometimes I'll play it, okay, I'm going to play it for the story on easy, and then I'm going to go through and do it on hard. And... Right, for the, for the gameplay itself. Yeah. Right. I was just going to ask Toria what she likes so much about portals. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, I think it's because I'm very much uh, a problem solver. At least I try to. At least I think like to think I am, and it's. Uh, it didn't really take a whole lot of pre-existing skill to pick up and go. So like, they give you the basic instructions of how to use like the portal guns, and then you just had to basically figure out how to get through each room. And I was like, I can totally do that. <laughs> I don't have to have any coordination to shoot somebody. I don't have to figure out where I need to go. I just need to figure out how to freaking get out the door. <laughs> and so I think that was probably a really good thing for me because... Like, again, I hadn't had any experience with games except for Super Nintendo, and that's very different from playing a 360. Uh, So when I first first bought the console, I was going, I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) So uh, it it just wasn't very daunting because it was stuff that is... It doesn't take any real skill, really. It just took sitting down, thinking, and then actually executing it. Okay. And plus, I love... Like, the entire game is beautiful. Like, I love the music. I'm addicted to the soundtrack. The graphics were beautiful. I love the story behind it. Like the, I like the characters and it. Like Wheatley, oh my god, loved it so much. <laughs> um, so it was, it was just everything about it was amazing. But I just, I love the puzzles aspect of it because I don't, I don't imagine there are too many games that are just like that where it's basically puzzles. But there is still, uh, like when there had, like, I guess you can still call them boss fights when you still have to beat, beat Glados and Wheatley. That that does involve some skill, but it doesn't really require a ton of it at the same time. If that makes sense. So it's sort of a it's a nice combination of ever really like the the you know the top three things most people are looking for: gameplay and visuals and story, music, and sort of all those things together for you. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Well, have you played any games where you've had the option to create an avatar? Um, yeah, actually, I always forget this when I say that I'm, I've only recently been gaming. Um, I did play World of Warcraft for about two years, but I, oh, but again, that wow. was but that was but that was just again casual because I didn't I didn't play it like very. Well, I played it quite a bit actually, but I, I never played it trying to be like the best player in the freaking game. I just played it because of, I thought it was fun. So like, I didn't care about. Uh, about playing certain combos that could get the most damage done or mm-hmm. how fast it could level. Like, I didn't care about any of that. It was just me running around, having fun, killing a couple things, exploring, flying around. So, so, I, so I, didn't, I didn't play it very seriously is what I'm saying. So did you do um, instances or were you more just sort of an environmental player? Very much environmental. I, I, liked, I liked going around and exploring everything. Like pretty much all the lands that there were available to me, mm-hmm. just so I could see the different art and I don't know, just the different ways that they could represent represent the environment. Right. And then as soon as I got into instances, when I was uh, first experimenting with it, I got so annoyed and everybody dissing everybody else, telling that they were like how awful they were at playing their class or whatever. And I was like, I don't really need this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go and play by myself and it'll be a lot more fun because no one's telling me I'm morons. So, <laughs> so yeah, it was, yeah. I had a lot more fun playing on my own or playing with a couple of really good friends of mine than going and playing instances because that's, mm-hmm. that wasn't what was important to me. I just wanted to have fun. I didn't really care about my achievements in the game. Mm-hmm. So. Well, Regina, does that, the word fun keeps coming up with Toria. Does yeah. that <laughs> throw her into one of the categories? Um, you know, I think, I think, I think there's some self-gamer going on here. Yeah. Identifying, (laughs) identifying with the game and wanting to sort of be, you know, be part of the game and be part of the fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it has to be aesthetically pleasing to her. Right. 
And that has to do with her taste. And mm-hmm. she also doesn't want anybody else to ruin her party. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's and, also partially because I have a very low tolerance for people being rude, not just to me, but just in general. Just in general so yeah. Yeah. sometimes that kind of made MMOs difficult for me to play yeah. for a while. I, I actually, <laughs> I, I talked in depth in the dissertation about how um, with WoW creating the random dungeon finder, how um, the, the tendency, <laughs> exactly, the tendency, to, the, the anonymity of being in WoW, you know, increased, you know, a hundredfold with that because you're not playing with someone who you might run into again on your server. You know, mm-hmm. you're playing with somebody from who knows wherever. And so the likeliness that you're going to cross paths again is slim. So. <laughs> yeah, people, people tend to get worse about that. Sometimes very difficult to be a nice person in this random dungeon. It's like I don't want to be a jerk, but you just suck so bad. <laughs> yeah, that's mastery. Yeah, that that is that is definitely mastery. Well, the the self I was seeing for Melissa was the identification with the hero aspects of um, yes. Shepard in uh, Mass Effect. Um, and then that's very much sort of a self thing. But like I said, that you know they're not they're not exclusive categories ever. Exclusive categories are also you can always sprinkle a little bit of you know another one in. <laughs> well, uh, then to, um, to ask all of you guys, Toria says she played WoW for like two years, mm-hmm. and she said a couple of times, you know, I actually played it a lot. Mm-hmm. Now. If you were to ask me, I would say that Toria is not a casual gamer. I don't know if I'd call her hardcore or not, but I would definitely say she's not a casual gamer. What do you guys hear when you hear what she just described? I mean, how, how would you, would you call Toria a casual gamer, Regina? I, I would not, no. I would not call her a casual gamer, actually. <laughs> but Melissa, you would. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because... Well, Melissa, to be honest, pretty much everybody I know is a casual gamer compared to you. <laughs> Probably. It happens a lot. I mean, because, I mean, time spent is one thing playing a game, I guess, for me. But, I mean, I, I play a game, I really want to be good at it. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I just don't see the point in spending time on something that I'm not going to try to get really good at. Personally, just that, for that, me. Right, that you're not going to, to work toward the achievement and the mastery of the game. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that seems like a waste of time. Right. I mean, if I wanted to play just to have fun, I they should never have invented achievements. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, God, yeah. that's fantastic. <laughs> Well, to, well, both of you. I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Oh, Regina. I was just going to say to to defend my my um my take on Toria is not a casual gamer. I I I agree that she's not sort of a core gamer either. Um, but but there's something there's something more about Toria's engagement in the gaming. I think that that pushes it. You know, there's a lot of people who play WoW that are very casual in the way that they play it, and many people I spoke to during the research who said they had never been in an instance. That was just, you know, they had never done that. And for, for me, because I, I, you know, I have sort of self-mastery going on, but my mastery is like, how do you play WoW and not do instances? I mean, how do you do that? 
you know, I don't understand it, but I know plenty of people who do, but I just, I'm just, I just completely mystifies me that that's like, yeah, I, it's like me with people who used to raid and I'm like, well, why aren't you doing hardcore modes? What's the point? If you're not going to do the hardest setting, why aren't you doing these? What's the point if you're not going to do that? Like, <laughs> I don't understand. What are you wasting your time on this for? Get off the game. Melissa, I, I get this sense that you would be one of those people that's like, why did you cl- climb Mount Everest? And you're like, because it's there. <laughs> exactly. There. <laughs> if I make these things available, I'm going to have to do them. Otherwise, I'm going to feel like it's incomplete or like. You know. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, what do you think about that assessment, Toria? And sort of maybe now you're not as much of a casual gamer as you think you are? Or... Um, I don't know. It, it's, it's hard for me to think of myself as anything except casual because. Okay, <laughs> as sad as this is to actually admit to people who aren't just my Twitter followers, uh, <laughs> Twitter is basically my social life. <laughs> so, and when I think about all of the people that I talk to on you know a daily basis, about ninety percent of them are gamers. And so when E three was going on, and everyone was talking about what was going on in E three, I was in there going, I don't understand any of what I'm reading. <laughs> And so I'm surrounded by that mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. and to the point where it gets frustrating sometimes, which I, and I was actually talking to Melissa about that the other day because I was sitting there going, I feel so left out because I don't know what's going on. Um, so I, I can't think of myself as being a gamer when all of that is still so foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's interesting when you say like, well, you were playing, well, you were playing World of Warcraft for two years. Well, yeah, but I didn't play it seriously. Like I wasn't playing it just Oh, I'm, I'm trying to think of how to word this, and it's not really working. <laughs> but no, that's fine. Um, yeah. But like, like I said, I didn't really go into that game for the achievements. It was a way to pass the time, and it was something that that was fun that I could do with some of my friends from on BC. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a, it was a social aspect for me as well. But it wasn't something that I spent like all of my free time on. Right. And it wasn't something that I was so into. Like I wasn't eagerly awaiting the next expansion. Like shaking hands and going oh just give it to me already just, ah. it wasn't, so like I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't so into it that I would call myself hardcore or even just even a straight gamer I was just, just casual because right. I wasn't in it for anything else except for just fun so so I, what I'm gleaming from this is that to get to hardcore sort of if we're looking at this as a spectrum of casual to hardcore and I'm feeling you're a little bit more toward core than maybe just casual that you feel it's the engagement in game culture that depth of knowledge the understanding of what's going on in the industry and sort of not just the gameplay but but knowing that knowledge in that 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 environment is is more what pushes people to to core versus casual yeah that's okay. pretty much what's it okay yeah. Toria, as far as the games are concerned, now you're playing on Xbox right now. Do you play on your phone or iPad or anything like that? Um, I play just a couple of minor games on my phone, like Minesweeper, nothing really serious. It's mostly, um, I'm either playing Minecraft on my computer or uh, a couple of games on my 360. And is it, is a social aspect to a game uh, a draw for you? It depends. <laughs> okay. Um, like with, with stuff like Minecraft, the reason I play that is because I get to play with people that I know or have come to know, at least. World of Warcraft was kind, it's kind of a draw for me because I can still play with people that I know. If I'm just playing with people that I've never met before and who might be total jackasses, I'm not going to care. So okay. it's, I, have to, I have to like the people I'm playing with <laughs> in order for it to be a draw for me. So. But th- th- it's a social avenue for th- with those familiar people. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay. And th- so 
what type of gamer is Toria? What, what, what gamer type is more social, Regina? Uh, self-gamers are more social. Okay. They, yeah, that's they, what I was thinking. Yeah, they, they, they go in, in in terms of um, representing them, themselves and their own identity in the game, um, where right. they'll, they'll chat about things that happened during their day or whatnot, they'll, they just go in and who are who they are in the game. There's not, there's not the aspect of role play where they're going and creating another character. There's not the focus on achievements and mastery and end game content, et cetera, for that we see in mastery players. So definitely. Well, I hate to begin to wrap things up, but we've got one last question you've all played on online with other, other people, you know, jackasses and otherwise, but <laughs> do you, do you, have you ever noticed any distinct differences between female gamers and male gamers and what, and how they represent themselves online or how they act? Is there a difference? I think it depends. <laughs> if I, from what I've noticed, if you're, pe- if you're playing with people that you know fairly well, they they don't really act that much differently, like male or female. If you're playing with somebody who's just a complete stranger to you, then I notice that, at least to me, they seem to be more stereotypical. But that's, I don't know, that's kind of dated as well. Because I'm thinking of all the people that, I'm, uh, that I've met in instances in World of Warcraft and how just kind of awful most of them were. <laughs> so, and then compare them to my Minecraft friends where they all just kind of blend together as far as personality aspects go. Mm-hmm. But so, the strangers were the the ones that behaved badly. Were they both male and female? Hmm. Well, see, it was more difficult for me. Uh, I'm not going to say for anybody else, but yeah, for me, it was definitely more difficult to figure out most of the time if someone was male or female if they didn't actually say so. Because I know that I know that a lot of people do play like male and female avatars, or they won't necessarily stick to their own gender as far as their avatar goes. Right. Um, so I never really tried to peg someone as male or female. Um, but sometimes I did get the impression, like if someone was being really, really harsh to somebody in terms of, well, you're like, they're really sucking at this game and you don't know your class. And I, in my brain, I was just like, you're such a guy. <laughs> but, but then I hear Melissa say like this, she probably say the same thing. I'm just like, yeah, I, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so I it's it's really hard for me to say if there are any any differences when they when they play and if it's stereotypical or not. I can't really say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Melissa? I'd say it's about even. It really it I think that that's just comes down to who you are as a person because I've known equal numbers of female and male server trolls. I mean I never one more than the other. Uh, it really just comes down to who you are, though I notice and I do this myself. If you're really serious about a game that involves playing with other people you don't know, if if you're serious about playing the game well and you're a girl, you will go out of your way to make sure nobody knows that you're female. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, we've and, seen that. We've had other people say that, too. And on Twitter, people who've said, you know, oh, I, I shield my gender from gameplay just because it, it creates a whole load of hassle I don't want to deal with. Exactly, and I did that with my my like my avatar right. Um, my handle right now is Summer Kateer, but I got that from my Xbox handle, which I changed when I got a 360 when it came out. Mm-hmm. It used to be a, a name that denoted that it was female, mm-hmm. and then after getting after playing Halo Two for a long time, I just got you know got tired of the shit. So yeah, yeah. and indeed, the 360 came out. Yeah. I changed it to yeah. something that was gender neutral and 
so much nicer. So if I don't want to talk online, I don't have to talk. Nobody knows any better. They, they judge me on my skill or lack thereof and not on <laughs> what I sound like, you know, on mic or my name. Right, right. Well, I think that's, unfortunately, I mean, you know, we, we've mentioned on, on um, the podcast before the Fat, Ugly, or Slutty website, which I know you both are familiar with. Mm-hmm. And the, the, just the fact that there can be a site dedicated to how many people get these, you know, these messages in their, their Xbox Live inboxes and get hassled on WoW when you're a woman or whatever. Um, just the fact that that's, <laughs> that's enough of a trend for that site to exist is really... Shameful. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> we need to behave better, people. <laughs> well, and that's probably not going to change no. anytime soon. So it's, I mean, either you pick up a, a sword and you fight it, or you just do what you can to work with it. Right. And I'm okay, at least in the kind of anonymous ether of the internet and just doing what I can to go with it. Right. And on a personal one-to-one kind of, like, if I meet somebody who, who thinks a certain way, I go out of my way to articulate as best as I can, Right. you know, why I think that they're wrong. But right. I'm not going to do that over the internet because it's a waste of time and energy and nobody changes their mind on the internet right. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> it's almost It's almost like... You know, it's not time to have that serious conversation while he's drunk. Wait till he's sober. <laughs> you know, don't talk to him on the internet. Wait until you see them face to face. And right, yeah. I mean, pretty much arguing on the internet. All you do is I don't know. It's complicated. Well, you tend to um, people who already agree with you. They're the ones who are going to agree with you on the internet. That's, right. that's all you. That's all you right. manage to get out of it. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's an uphill battle. <laughs> well, do you, are, is it because they they behave differently on the internet than they do in person? I'd, I'd say probably the a, a good percentage of the people will behave differently in person than on the internet, and then there are those sociopaths who will just be complete dicks no matter what. Mm-hmm. Okay, but mm-hmm. you just take that as it comes, right? So. Well, do you guys have any other, I want to, you know, thank you for your conversations today. This has been fantastic and very enlightening um, and funny, which is always great. <laughs> we do what we can. Thank you. <laughs> Did you have any other comments, uh, questions or ideas or anything you wanted to contribute to our discussion here? Uh, nothing's coming to mind for me. Please, for the love of God, don't make games for girls. <laughs> oh. I could go along with that, yeah. You don't want a Barbie console? Oh, God. No. You don't want a pink controller? Please. <laughs> yeah, uh, Regina and I were sort of talking about that before the show as far as, you know, what games are for girls and are the har- the games people call hardcore, is it because they are actually, you know, made for guys or first-person shooters really attractive to women? And is that, beca- you know, is it a hardcore game because, well, it just happens to be what guys like, right. but it's not true. It's, it's, no. it's all a marketing thing. Well, mm-hmm. men and women will react to well-produced entertainment equally and the differences will just be based on that uh, you know specific people some people like this some people don't you know on on but as a, as a whole i don't it's not gender related at all 
people have been socially, you know, kind of influenced, it's particularly girls to think, well, this is a dude thing. So, right. you know, only dykes and fat chicks like to play video games. And I don't want to be associated with dykes and fat chicks. So right. I'm not going to play. Well, you yeah. Know? Yeah. And that's, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have this discussion about casual and hardcore. And the reasons why I, st- I stayed away from the terms in the dissertation was because, there's so much of a connotation of um, casual are are women players are female players, and oh, yeah, and totally. and they play The Sims or they play Farmville or whatnot. And you know, yeah. I you know, and and I know some hardcore Farmville players. Like seriously, <laughs> know some people who are so seriously into that game that they have created like multiple Facebook accounts. So that oh, they can give themselves right. extra, you know, they can, you know, do the clicks and all the, the stuff you have to do to play those games. Yeah, uh, that's not any different than unplugging my Xbox from the internet and setting the clock forward a year so that I can get an achievement for uh, a specific uh, thing. I mean, it's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. And and those are things that you would define in the time and investment, I mean, that people play who are setting their alarm clocks to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning because they need to harvest their grains or whatever they're growing in Farmville. Exactly. Or say you're, you know, get a phone call at 3.30, the world dragons up, get on your warlock and summon everybody, let's go. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's no different. It's no different. So So the dismissal that comes with, oh, it's casual, oh, it's for a girl, you know. Those are things that bother me and will probably continue to bother me. So, <laughs> SimCity's hard. It, it is. It is, you know. It, it is, yeah. To master SimCity, that, that takes some skill. <laughs> <laughs> skill I do not have. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you guys joining us yes. today. Uh, we send our thanks out to Toria and Melissa. Is there any Twitter handles or anything uh, you don't mind sharing with everybody that if you would like people to talk to you online or anything like that? That Twitter's about it for me. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Twitter's about the same for me, too. All right. So we have um, Toria at missing underscore chapter and Melissa at some rocketeer. Um, they both follow me, Doc Liz with two Z's on Twitter. Cause we're creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, cause listeners. you're awesome, but you know, if you want to be creepy, that's your prerogative. <laughs> you are a self gamer after all. So, <laughs> Well, we'd love everybody to chime in on what we've talked about today. We've covered a couple of uh, interesting topics, and we've we've actually had people on different corners of the conversation today, which I, I, I really love that. Me too. But you can give us feedback on Twitter at game underscore on underscore girl, on our website at gameongirl.com, or you can email Regina at gameongirl.com. Yep. Thank you again, Melissa and Tori, for being on the show. We really appreciate your contributions. For having us. This is Game on Girl. I'm Regina here with my co-host Rhonda. This week's Twitter question is also partially tie-in to the subject of losing your avatar. While we've been discussing the experience of loss, we've also done some bitching about game and console developers. So this week, we asked you, what most negatively impacts your game experience? 
Yeah, and I don't think the repeating themes that we see here in the responses, at least not among gamers, is anything that's new, but <laughs> sometimes you wonder if it's new to the developer. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I definitely wouldn't, don't mind mentioning the titles of specific games in this discussion. So there's a, there's a lot of that. Oh, so-and-so does it well. So-and-so, you know, doesn't right. do it well. Right. Exactly. Um, mainly because, I mean, we hope that, you know, some of these developers are getting this feedback. Yeah. But anyway, on um, Facebook, Trevor Fender said, if a game is not fun to play, it most probably can list a bad story and bad game design on its rap sheet. I think this is a really interesting point because I think if we talk about immersion as as being one of the compelling reasons to play... <laughs> If, mm-hmm. if the story breaks you out of your immersive experience and the game design or the gameplay, how the game is designed to play it, if you're constantly having to fight with the game, if you're constantly having to maneuver in a way that's unnatural or find buttons that aren't following in a natural place or the controls are wonky or whatever else, those are the two things I think that will break you out of that immersive experience the most, most completely and most quickly. Right. Because they're the things yeah. that we're dependent on carrying us through. Right. I mean, it, it would be like seeing the boom microphone in a movie. Exactly. It's like, you know, it totally destroys the fantasy. Right. Or, or when you're seeing a stage production and you see the, um, the you know, backstage crew moving things or, you know, curtains mm-hmm. pulled and, you, you know, you have those, those problems as well where your um, um, suspension of disbelief is broken. I also think it's it might be an interesting subject to talk about p- people's different definitions of what fun to play is. Mm. Because well, be he said, yeah. you know, if the game's not fun to play, and I was like, well, what does that mean? And then he goes on to qualify it. Right. Bad story, bad game design. Right. But later on we'll see um, Claire says something a little different. It says, you know, one or the other, but you don't need both. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an interesting conversation. I think everybody would have something different to say about that. Yeah, and the, I, I had also thought, and, and one of the things I had been kind of toying with for this week or an idea that had sort of struck me was it, is, it kind of relates to that idea of what's fun because I know with you know massively multiplayer games like World of Warcraft, not everybody goes in with the intention of end game raiding or, or high right. end. You know, they'll go in and they'll collect pets and they'll go mm-hmm. in and collect achievements or they'll become really good at their crafts and, and their you know, skills and those kinds of things that they build up. So it, those things are fun as well. So, so what, what, which brought me to the question of, you know, what things do we do that aren't necessarily part of what's designed in the game? You know what I mean? Like, like, no. what? <laughs> like how do we transcend? How, how do people's experiences transcend the way that the game is designed? Like, Oh, okay. If, you know, a game like uh, World of Warcraft or Star Wars or, or whatever in terms of MMOs or, you know, even Mass Effect is designed so you go in and you finish the game, right? Right, right. right. So you get to that end point. People aren't always doing that. So, so what are the other things that people do in game that maybe aren't that driven point right and i mean i'm having that experience with diablo 3 mm-hmm. which is to me is very confusing because in diablo 2 i just 
that was my first RPG, and I just loved that game. Right. And I am not enjoying Diablo three at all. You're not alone. <laughs> yeah. And the, I the type of game that it is has changed. Yes. Yes. And it's just driven by points. Mm-hmm. I'm not having an RPG experience at all. Right. It's just it's tedious and rote and. Um, that's a really long other conversation. <laughs> yes, but, might need to go back to the the topic that we want to bring up about design and yeah, <laughs> and game yeah. and game companies, et cetera, et cetera. That That'll be a great conversation. Another episode. But, yeah, we got some other responses that, and all very unique. Dana Murphy on Twitter, she's at Diza G, said that it's the same with RPGs. It's like a book. If I'm not given a reason to care about the characters early, I won't be compelled to play past an hour or two. For other games, as long as it isn't artificially challenging or complex, I'm usually good to go. Interesting characters are important, but the scenario is just as key. I don't care for exciting people in a boring game world. It's interesting, Dana goes on to say, I feel like the gameplay and story level are more or less independent. If you love one, you'll at least tolerate the other. So I I got that quote wrong earlier. It's Dana who said this. Right. It took me a minute. I had to read that twice. Mm -hmm. Gameplay versus story. And you wonder, are the gamers compromising? Mm -hmm. So that... Or that they have to compromise because it's like either you're a fan of the of the uh, franchise right. or you're a fan of the gameplay, and so you tolerate the crappy story. Or is it is this the? I don't know. I don't know where else it would go, but I don't know why you would have to tolerate I guess, <laughs> bad gameplay because the story's good. I don't right. Know. Right. Yeah. Well, I I think that that's. That, I, I think that that does happen. I think people will oh, yeah. will will take and you know put up with a, a game that's clunky or difficult to play because they're so engaged in the story and one and want to know the end of the story. Um, you know, I've had experiences like that with novels I've I've read where I'll get a hundred pages into it and I'm like, oh my god, I hate this, but I have to know how the story ends. <laughs> Uh, and the writing yeah. can be really bad, but sometimes the story will compel you forward yes. because you want to see what happens or, you know, but, but I think it's also interesting that one of the things that said was, um, the comparison between, I don't care for exciting people in a boring game world. So it's, it's like if the environment doesn't level up with the mm-hmm. characters, then that all also can be, you know, w- one of those things, like I was saying before, if it's, you know, game and story that are the things that um, will boot you out of your immersive experience, you know, deep and complex characters in an, an environment that isn't interesting. Yeah, it's def- it definitely seems to me that the character's who is portrayed on the screen is extremely important to Dana. And I'm wondering when it says artificially challenging or complex, where that's a barrier. Right. If that becomes, you know, if if, if she can't hop into the game, then it becomes a barrier to experiencing the world. Right, right. It becomes something that needs to be overcome rather than um, slipped into or enjoyed or appreciated. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, we got uh, one more response from Claire, or a.k.a. Jeep Chick, and she's on Twitter as well, at Claire Jeep Chick. She says it's bad game mechanics that impact her experience. If it's too complex to open a box or make dialogue choices, I'm done. Games that do this poorly are Mass Effect. I'm humping walls for days and constantly making wrong dialogue choices. Skyrim Oblivion is a game that does it well. Mm -hmm. Elder Scrolls has always had good hitboxes for interaction. Claire goes on to say that storyline is important, but she qualifies this. Many quests and small stories are the ones that stick with me and evoke a more emotional response. She explains this in in more detail, and I find find this very interesting. She describes it like this. Ties between the NPCs and my character. They're like little ropes of relationships binding me, investing me in the game. If I'm not connected to the game, I probably won't buy buy the next title. Fallout, Dragon Age, Elder Scrolls all locked me in. Yeah, that was, I mean, I thought she, she just said that just beautifully. Yeah. Um, I love the idea of the ropes of the relationships between the NPCs and, and the character that you're playing. So, so you actually have an investment and a tie to them. I think that's, that's really a beautiful way to, to sort of sum up what, what the, the best of gaming experience has to offer. Yeah, and, I'm, you know, I've really enjoyed different types of character experiences in games. I mean, you don't have that relationship experience, say, in Borderlands. Right. But you do in Mass Effect. And I never really had that experience before. So, like, in Mass Effect 2, when I was playing and Jack died at the end, I was really pissed. (laughs) And I knew I had made some bad choices for her earlier in the game, and that's part of what led to her death. But, I mean, I really didn't want her to die. And that's part of the loss with losing that Femship character out of Mass Effect 2 and not being able to bring that back into Mass Effect 3 because that determines who is alive and who's dead in the next part of the game. Right, how you experience and, the next part yeah. of the game. Well, and I, I noticed myself trying to protect certain characters. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, definitely, I, I'm always trying to protect Garrus, and now I can't even think of his name, the Krogan, um, the know. test tube Krogan. I don't know. I haven't played, so I can't. Oh, sorry. <laughs> anyway, okay. I'm constantly trying to protect him, too. Uh-huh. And and I, I, I'll sit there and go, oh, that's so funny that I mm-hmm. want to attached to these certain characters mm-hmm. and the other ones I'm like you know you're a waste of space I don't want you with my <laughs> right. with my team and it, it's really it's fun mm-hmm. I mean that's a lot of fun yeah well it's a lot of fun it's a lot of depth it's you know which is more than you know people who don't game I don't think understand those ropes <laughs> yeah but if you were to talk to them about friends or right. sure. You know, nine hundred two one zero or right. whatever, like whatever that. They're else, attached yeah. to those characters. Oh, sure, absolutely. But but like like I've said before, and like I'll probably continue to say, because games are are new, it's still a media that people are more likely to question. Um, just like people question TV and novels and whatever. Every time something new comes out, it becomes, eh, oh, this isn't you know, this isn't great. I don't know what you're so excited about, you know. Yeah. So so I think that that's that's part of what sort of goes on with this, but. I did get stuck in Mass Effect 3 humping a wall once. <laughs> I was so mad. I got I, I got crouched behind a wall. What you, what you do is you can crouch to hide and then peek out to shoot people. Right. And 
I got crouched behind this column. And then when I tried to come out, instead of coming out, I immediately crouched behind this next column right <laughs> next to me. I would try to come out and I'd just go from one column to the other. Crouch, 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 crouch. I could never get out. I tried to blow myself up with grenades. I tried to shoot myself. Nothing. I had that happen in WoW one time where I got stuck in a fireplace. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) And there isn't an option to crouch. You know, I mean, you can, you can as an emote, but not as, not to actually like squint your character down. And so I'm stuck in a fireplace and I'm literally being like pinged to death by the fire that I'm standing in. (laughs) (laughs) I like to stand here and heal me forever. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm panicking. And I I was, I was solo. I was by myself. So I I was panicking in guild chat. I'm like, somebody needs to tell me how to crouch. Somebody needs to tell me how to crouch. And they're like, I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't think you can. And I'm like, I'm burning up in a fire in the fireplace and I literally had to wait until I died yeah to get out to you know to die and to go res at the you know at the res point and then come back because I I had killed the person that I was trying to kill in the room and I don't even remember how I ended up getting stuck (laughs) yeah it's just that one Uh, funny move that you make and you get stuck somewhere I mean yeah uh, my husband experiences the same thing in battlefield he'll get behind a building or something like that and he can't get out yeah yeah. And he'll have to blow himself up, and that counts against him in Battlefield. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, but, yeah, that's that, unfortunate. That's one thing that – that's the reason why I kind of disagree with Dana as far as gameplay and story. Mm-hmm. I mean, the story is going along – I mean, it's not – particularly complicated in Mass Effect, but it's going along well because, you know, I like the character involvement. I want to know what they're going to do and when I'm going to interact with them next. But when I'm in a fight and I die all the time because the stupid crouch doesn't work right, Right. then I don't enjoy myself. And so I... I can have a hard time doing one without the other, especially a game as sophisticated as Mass Effect. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And you don't you don't want that to be the thing that's taking you away from from enjoying the game or enjoying the characters. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, we, we get more great conversations from um, our listeners' responses, Absolutely. and we just can't encourage you enough to. Give us feedback on what you hear on here. We always come up with new topics, and we just love it. Um, Definitely every week on Twitter and on Facebook, we ask a new question we want to get your feedback on. Be sure and give us your opinion, and we might share it on our next episode. You can follow us on Twitter at game underscore on underscore girl. And for the conversations, we use the hashtag GOG chat. And on Facebook, you can find us at Game on Girl podcast. You've been listening to Game on Girl. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me on Twitter at Room. That's R-H-O, R-H-O-O-M. And you can read my tech blog at droolonthefrog.com. And I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And you can catch me on Twitter at DocLiz with two Zs. Many, many thanks to Toria and Melissa for joining us today. Uh, you can follow Toria on Twitter at missing underscore chapter and Melissa at some rocketeer. I'll have links to both their Twitter profiles up with a post for this episode. Game on Girl is available on iTunes and Stitcher streaming. These links, along with references made in the show, can be found on our website, gameongirl.com. 
You can also leave comments and feedback through Twitter at game underscore on underscore girl or email us at regina at gameongirl.com. This podcast is recorded with Audacity and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks for listening and until next time, game on.